Hello and welcome to the weekend update on the 23rd of December 2022. It's uh, two days till Christmas. Christian Wolf is here. He's wearing a Christmas sweater. He looks terrific. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Yes, it's me again. I, I do apologize. You yeah. know, it's, it's a skeleton staff over Christmas. So they're bringing me out pretty much every podcast. So it's it stuck with me for one more podcast before Christmas. But yes, I award is, it's technically a Norwegian uh, sweater. Um, traditional ones that I wore especially for you. I was going to say it looks like a sort of traditional Norwegian sweater. It, it is, and I actually just got this on Vinted for uh technically, I'll, I'll be honest, it was for a Eurovision Song Contest party. Sweet. Where we had to dress up as you know a country each, and obviously I went for the most Norwegian sweater I could find. But it's actually really, it's really comfy. It's really big. It's nice. So nice, you know, as long as it's not a Cosby sweater. Uh, a cosby's but the only thing uh, when you say that is uh high fidelity yeah that's uh, that was that's, the, that was from that okay, was the reference so. my friend you okay, got it thank you Correct. it's good we're the same age and we have the same you know popular culture references i see yeah. well not all of them you have a few more wrestling references for me if it's after the late 80s yes so. um one thing i will say about high fidelity is uh i really love it as a film i love it I loved it growing up, but you go back. There are certain films you can go back, and the person who you thought was the hero is actually the villain. Um, and High Fidelity I, is definitely uh, one of those. I also absolutely loved that movie growing up. It's, it's weird because I was actually thinking about this before, because it is there's at least a couple of scenes, especially with some of the old girlfriends. You I, go, oh, that's that's not good, is it? I mean, his whole big thing so, is the, you know, the his whole big thing is, uh, and we're talking about films because you know Christmas and all that, and people can watch films. Um, but <laughs> that's a stretch. We're talking about, <laughs> about films because we want to. <laughs> um, but like the thing with um, uh, the John Cusack's character in High Fidelity is he is just an asshole, and he doesn't learn any of his lessons really at the end. The books, the books, very different. The books, very good. I'd, I'd highly recommend the book. Nick Hornby. Um, did you ever watch the? Uh, I've, you know, I've still never watched the Arsenal one. The... I'm not watching the Arsenal one. I'm not reading that book. You know the climax of that movie. Yeah, of course. I'm not, I'm not doing that. I can see why. Maybe I should do something. Yeah, I can see why you wouldn't want to watch that. To be fair. <laughs> uh, right, cool. Let's let's get involved. Um, we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to look ahead to St. Johnston. We'll touch on Hibs as well. Uh, got the usual fact or fiction, but we do have some news. Um, and it's again what you'd expect at this time of year it's uh kind of transfer linkage where there's probably not a lot of genuine sources but it can bring up the idea of you know the, the players that we've got and stuff uh lee Abada apparently is attracting interest from southampton uh, who's out uh, do you know it's funny i, I was thinking they sacked hassan hutu mm-hmm. who's the new manager Has he, have they had one appointed I, I had to look that up. I'll be honest with the research. Uh, Nathan Jones oh. from uh, Luton. That's right. That's, that's coming, he came in just before the before the World Cup. Yeah, that's quite a, quite an interesting appointment because um, I remember some of their fans being kind of split on the idea of uh, a, a guy who was who was doing well at that level, but you know, getting the opportunity up. You know, f- fair play. Um, Southampton apparently are watching Leila Bada. Um, they've had a change in their scouting network, but they still have the old uh, the old dossier. Um, he he kind of Leila Bada is someone he's coming out coming out a contract, um, but not for a while. Uh, and I think Celtic are going to offer him a new contract because 
Leila Bad has been here for what? This will be his second... 18 months, yeah. 18, 18 months. months. Um, so you'll have another year or two left, um, probably two. Um, I've probably got a four plus one. I imagine most of those were signed on that came in the summer. Yeah, of course. So yeah, two, two and a half. Well, just technically three years left, I reckon, in the summer. Yeah, um, but Celtic are looking to basically reward him, I guess, and give him a, a longer term contract. Um He's someone who, you know, I've, I've I've been critical of him, but, you know, I'm also very aware of his age. He's still very young and he's still very raw. Um, but he, I can imagine he's someone at the Premier League club specifically would look at and say, this is someone we can use and potentially mould. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> I, I think it has to be a very specific club. I, I think, I mean, first of all, good old Southampton. You can always trust him. For an offer or even a loan. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a good connection. I think that Libby game on Wednesday was just the Alabada crystallized. So, it, it, like pure vintage Abada, um, especially if he if got the goal as well. Because he's got such an ability to arrive in the box for be it to, to send a cross, you know, across the goal like that or take a shot. It's such a really good thing to have. If he's not around the penalty box or if he's not running into even on if you take away that aspect of the game, I, I know that's like taking away one leg, but if you take away that aspect, I, I think Wednesday is he's, he's so poor outside of that again. That's just him. That was him in the game. He's got this, he's an inability to pass anyone from a standing position. I think he's passing further down the field. It's usually backwards. It's not very, it's predictable. He's got kind of predictable movement. A lot of things break down when he involved the Alabada further down the field. And I think Celtic's focus down the left, I think really helps Abada in this kind of system because Wednesday especially, Celtic have oh, for years, but especially this season as well, a tendency to go down the left because you've got players like Yota, Tate, Greg Taylor, you know, it's it almost feel like, you know, McGregor is, is left-footed, uh, obviously, as well, when he plays. But what that does against a team like Olivia, that is, is very aware of this, but creates a lot of space on the right-hand side, right? So, again, on Wednesday, I think you saw this thing where Anthony Ralston, again and again and again, he was free in the middle of the pitch because Olivia was trying to crowd out, you know, that Celtic threat down the left. And that helps. I think that helps a lot with Abad as well. If you think a lot of Abad's goal, like against Rangers and so on, comes from the left-hand side of the attack, right? And across, and he arrives in the box, and, and what he's really good at. So Wednesday, for me, was just a bad eye in a nutshell, uh, again. And so you, you're thinking about at the Premier League side. Again, if you have a side where that fits, so I think a side that probably does not dominate possession that much, or they have the ability to, to use a player like a batter, to be more of a, a penalty box presence. I just think in a club like Southampton as well, though, off the ball, you know, he's, he will have learned a lot in terms of pressing and then sitting in a block a little bit under range. But I, again, I don't think he's very effective in it. So it, it, for me, it needs to be a club, a sp- one specific club where he fits in. Because his goal rate knows that, for, especially for a winger at that age, that, that'll attract people. That'll definitely attract people. Like his XG is high, his goals are high, he creates stuff. So a lot of people, he'll be flagged up and go and go have a look at him. It just, it'd be really interesting for me to have like a Premier League scout uh, department go and have a proper look at the Alabama and see what they think. Because I think they will see, okay, he's got elements here that we can really use, but 
there's probably other elements of his games that he really needs to work on and might not fit in. So I can see why he attracts interest, but I'd also be really interested in what kind of club he would go to or receive an offer from. Yeah, I think, um, and obviously we're, we're talking about a player that we have under contract. And, you know, I imagine there'd be some people who are like, why are you trying to sell Lee Alabada? This is just part of the whole ethos that Ange Postacoglu is trying to bring in about, you know, agile kind of transfer policy where if you're available, if we can get bang for our buck, you're going to probably go. That's not to say that Abada's going to go in January. It's not to say he's going to go in the summer. But what it is going to say is we probably really need to... I think Abada's one of those guys where you really, really need to pull the trigger at the right time. Oh, absolutely. Because I think uh, I think him, Gigi, uh, are the exact same there. Like, they're... they're, they're I think there's such similar profile in terms, not in terms of playing style, but in that profile because they have unique skill sets and they have big elements of their game that they're lacking in. Yeah. So not only will they be peaking at a certain point, it's a certain club that it can be really useful for that might give them a certain sum of money as well. So I think any, anybody should really, you know, in terms of maybe not any, but pretty much Celtics should always be open for that. But it has to be an element of, is it at the right time for the team? Is it the right time for, in terms of, do you have anybody lined up? Which you should have. If you have a working scouting and recruitment process, you should always have a player lined up or two or three to, to maybe go to. So if it fits the club, if I guess if it fits the player, if they kind of feel it's a good move, yeah. That's just what you have to do. Yeah, I think it's interesting as well. Like, um, before we'll move on in a second, but... You know, we, we've got that that front three. I think only Jota's a stick-on to start. Uh, I think someone like Maeda is very happy to be part of the squad and he'll come in when he needs to, but I think he can, because he's of his versatility, kind of adds a different element to it. But someone like Abada just just isn't really holding down a starting position. Um, and I know that Ange mixes it up and I know that, you know, different players have different positions and all in and, and different situations, but Jota's always going to start. Like if Jota's available and it's a big game, Jota will always start. You can't really see, and probably Kyogo will always start. You can't really say that about any of the other ones. That's it's it's almost as if he's he's put that brass ring there to say, can I lock this position down? One of you, and almost no one has. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting in a way that you know, anxious comments after that. Um, I think it was Aberdeen game in terms because you talked about Abada Mayeda. And he said, you know, Maeda's strengths are if there's space in front of him. And Abada's strength is more if, if they're sitting in a low block and trying to break them down. So it's obviously he has, he looks at the ability of those kind of wings to mix the, the, the wingers up, right? And to have different qualities of what they can do. Um, and there's a certain degree to that with Kyogo and Gigi as well. But, but as you say, you, you do wonder if there was one particular standout on the other side as well that maybe fitted the right-hand side, whether you would see more of that. I don't know if you would, because I do think a winger position is a good position to be able to rotate and to bring in different ideas. So I think overall, like the wingers, if Jota, Haksabanovic, Maeda, Abada, Forrest, Ange talked in, interesting about what Forrest does as well, that he's, he's maybe better at the, against the low block because he's you know, his, his pace and accelerations maybe isn't there, but he, he, he can do it in small spaces. So to have that combination of wingers, I, I think works well for Celtic. 
whether some of the players might want more minutes, maybe. But I think overall, it working for Celtic now and, and the winger situation. So I think that's the only thing with maybe selling about a just now as well. You need to bring maybe somebody in who has some of those qualities. And I guess maybe get to this, but Jot, I don't know if Jot's going to start on Friday, by the way. Oh, on Saturday even. So. That, no, that, yeah, of, of course, I think, you know, I think Sermani kind of highlighted that it was probably, Alan on the weekly, that it was probably his kind of poorest game in, in regards to kind of how he performed against um, Livingston. But, and you're right, he might not play against St. Johnson, but if we were playing Rangers on Saturday. Yeah. Like that. that, that no, he would. And I think the thing with Joe as well, I think we're probably all guilty of holding him to a really high standard. So even like watching the game back for Wednesday, like, yeah, it's maybe not as impactful as you want to do, but he's, I mean, this, the thing is he still does. He's got a couple of outrageous passes and yeah. he's, he's, he's this constant threat. So probably an easy way to see if it's, Jota isn't going full Jota. You go, oh, it's a bit out of form. Whereas the level and the quality he has is actually helping the team a lot when he's on the pitch. And that is why he's on the pitch in the big games. But I also think that, yeah, exactly. I think when he's having a pure game, he's still contributing something. And, uh, you know, I mentioned it in the reaction. I think he, him just being there sometimes just confuses and, you know, Defenders will, you know, commit and stuff. So it's it's very interesting. He's a very interesting guy. Um, I'm sure he has an interesting taste in music and books. Uh, Joe Hart uh, came out and was talking about obviously Ange. Ange in his post match press conference uh, comments was a little bit stinging, uh, specifically on, you know, uh, the final third. Uh, but Hart was asked about it, um, and he said it's not a side that we don't see. That's why we. That's what we see from him. He expects a lot from us, and we expect a lot from ourselves. He certainly, he's certainly not going to walk in after the game when we've maybe not taken the chances to put the game out of sight, uh, and not say that. I think you guys in the media appreciate that too. It's pretty clear, and he's honest with us with his feelings. He lets us know, but it's not a shock. It's not a bolt. We know it's coming. We know when we are playing well and when our flow is good, but we, he regularly points out to us it's all very good to get a good and certain type of height. But the higher you go, the harder it is to stay at that level. He wants the best for us, but there are different ways of getting that. Um, you know, I think uh, people maybe were a little bit, um, not necessarily shocked, and I don't think he said anything outrageous or anything, but usually he's one, he's got that sort of... Um, defends his players and kind of puts it, you know, talks about things in a little bit more abstract terms. Um, whereas this was very much a case of people didn't perform in the final third and uh, that needs to change. Uh, what did you make of the comments? Yeah, um, I guess in general, I think this is kind of an old man I should try to, you, if you do win a game, it's maybe a bit easier to criticise. Yeah. Right? I, think, I think there's a mental aspect to that, that, you could, you don't have a group of players who's lost a defeat and the, the issues that come with that. So they might be more receptive to go, okay, we won, but you need to sharpen up. Whereas if you maybe lose points, you kind of go, okay, well, everybody knows it's, you know, you, maybe you want to do that. So it's a time and a place for it. I think after the game on Wednesday was, was probably a good time and a place. I mean, again, watching it, watching it a bit of a back as well, like it, it's not, I don't think it's a bad performance. At all, you know, it's but I, I do think I do get his points about I think it comes back to what we've talked about jot down holding people to, to standards. Like, if you put in a performance like that, maybe last season at the same time, and just goes, Okay, we're still working on this. Whereas at this point, you go, Well, we're at a higher level now, and there has to be we have to 
keep moving and keep improving and and, and you know quality control, not letting it slip in anyway. And I think that's that's part of it. You know, he's he is very much aware of the need to always emphasize emphasize that and that you keep going and holding them to those those standards, which is I guess that's just good management. Well, you need to you need to pick your point. You can't go out and be mad all the time, and you know get hot under, under the collar all the time about it. But it, it's 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 a strategy you have to have in terms of mind management and setting the standards and keeping the standards there. And I, I think that's what it's part of. So I think there's comments were absolutely fine. I think a lot of them made sense, but at the same time, it's not a bad performance. <laughs> you know, for me, it's, it's 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 a decent performance. Then, but but that's fine. And go out and be critical after decent performances. It's, it's one way of setting the standard and keeping it there. I guess. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm. I like my manager to go through my players occasionally, but uh, it has to be done. In a, ha- <laughs> weird. Um, well, well, like like your podcasters. Uh, listen, you know, it's hey, like, it's once a month you go on, you just go fuck it. See ya. Like, that was way too long. Yeah, you, you all know, you yeah. all know it's coming. You all know it's yeah, coming. Yeah, definitely know it's coming. Um, but no, like I think it's, I think it makes sense, and I think as you say, you know, doing it after a win makes a lot more sense than doing it after a defeat. Um, it's all about psychology, of course. Um, I, I just want to highlight the the final kind of point on we've got news before we look ahead to the weekend. Jim Goodwin. Yes. Um. Jimmy, what, Jimmy Boy. Jimmy Boy. Uh, Jimbo. Jim, Jimbo. Uh, Jim Goodwin in Spiky and Postacoglu retort. Um, just some re- comments from Jim Goodwin from his presser yesterday. Um, and it was about the remark about basically, they love using the term old firm, um, about kind of bundling Celtic and Rangers together. Um, I'm not sure why anyone would take offence to a remark like that, but I think I just made the point that Celtic and Rangers have dominated the Premier League table for years. I don't know the last time anyone out with those two won the league. Is it 37 years? Maybe you can explain that to Ange and tell him that is what I meant. Unfortunately, Celtic and Rangers have run away with the league uh, for the last 37 years. I know he's only here a short time, so maybe he just needs to see that. I fucking... I know he's only here a short time. He's been... Take a breath. Take a breath. Maybe he just... I mean, mean, yeah, I mean... I don't think anybody outside of Scotland was aware that Celtic and Rangers have been dominating the league. And even 18 months there is probably not enough time to... But see, here, anything about Celtic and Rangers? I know yeah, he's so. only here a short time, so maybe he just needs to look back and see what history tells him. <laughs> I mean, you can look it up on Wikipedia. Even though you just need to look back. Uh, Goodwin acknowledged Rangers and Celtic are very different in terms of playing styles. In terms of, but that's the thing. So, I mean, I thought Ange handled that really, really well. Um, I'm, I'm actually really glad he finally came out someone finally came out and said it but but and here's the other thing sorry before i bring you in christian jim goodwin's talking about celtic and rangers have dominated since two since the turn of the century since 2000 celtic rangers have won six titles and celtic have won 16 to basically say uh, they've dominated both of them I mean, since, since Rangers, two- Rangers have won one title. Okay, so you know. Well, fuck yes, shit, yes, yes. God, it's Christmas. Um, <laughs> check out that history, Jim. So, <laughs> no, but I, I underline the same thing as you did in that um, his comments too. Um, you know, uh, 
<laughs> in terms of it maybe hasn't been there too long. That's when you know he's a bit rattled. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, I listened to the press conference with Ange when he, when he says that. And first of all, he doesn't mention Goodwin specifically at all. And, and all he really mentions is, and it also he mentions it's, it's more a language thing rather than, uh, it, he kind of hinted that, you know, the, the, the managers and, and actually, you know, they, they know they're different teams, but the way the press and everybody, it's easy to fall into the trap of just, you know, the big two. And so I think, yeah, for Ange's comments were, they're more more about the language than the style, you know. And he's right; they're, they're different teams, different styles. It's different meeting Celtic at home and away, and coming off of Europe or after a break. It's, it's different, and he feels, you know. I think, thing that kind of annoys him saying that it's almost like a wee challenge to everybody in the press and everybody to like just get out of that rut, you know. They are different teams, and they are different paths at different times. So, but it is hilarious that Goodwin gets all wound up about it because he's coming off like two really bad games where it's his choices really I mean some of it's what it's, okay, it's easy maybe to fall a bit back with you 2-1 up against Rangers but and the goals are like sloppy defensively but some of his decisions and everything and he's it's, it's obviously under a bit of pressure and to be honest I mean he, what he needs to think about is is he going to keep Keep getting that director's box access at Celtic Park with comments like that. You know, he's not going to get the nice sandwiches no, anymore. Yeah, he's there all the time. But you know, it's just think about that, Jimbo. I, I just so. think I just think it's um, uh, it's clearly majorly deflection from his team collapsing like a flan against Rangers. Um, I just it's. Uh, Ah, do you know what? It's not even worth talking because it's just it's just a bit pathetic. But there is nothing worse I hate than hear an opposition manager or a pundit or something saying, "You know what it's like when you play Celtic at Rangers and Celtic." And all that's the other thing. See, whenever whenever I hear anyone anyone talking about Scottish football, if they put Rangers first, I mean, even just alphabetically. No, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, even if you are neutral, even, even if even if even you that. if you've no interest in anything and you're just completely neutral. It should be Celtic and Rangers, but people who say Rangers and Celtic get in the bin. The main thing I take for that is always that mask slips a little bit sometimes. I think the comment of, oh, he hasn't been here that long. I mean, it's like, you know, it's, you know, there's a sliding scale there of like, um, I don't even know the right word, not like xenophobia or anything like that, but it's a little bit like, you know, it's not. It's a bit off. Yeah, there's. That's all, all I'm saying. There's an undertone. There's absolutely an undertone. It's an undertone. Yeah, there you go. And, and the fact the fact of the matter is, it's almost like um, you know, you don't know Scottish football. Um, you're not a Scottish football original. You didn't play your football here or something. And it's kind of like, fuck off. Like which, Ronnie Dyla got that for years. Was, like, but that permeates the whole of Scottish football. Though. That there's still whatever all the nice words. I think there is still a reluctance when anybody who criticizes or try to do something, who is not one of the old boys, essentially. There's always an undertone of that. I mean, you get that in a lot of countries, but I think the Scotland specifically, you can't you cannot have that attitude because I don't know if everybody's checked Scotland's positions in terms of the national team and how the clubs are doing in Europe outside, you know, Rangers and Celtic. Um, oh, um it's it's you know <laughs> You have to open that, but every kind of foreign managers, be it Celtic, be it Rangers, anybody else, or 
was the guy who, who worked in FA? So Mark Water, Mark Water, yeah, Water and stuff like that. And he kind of go, I mean, there's a reason why I think you know Scottish football is is not close to where it should be, and I think it's that kind of on. And I mean, Tim could do this, obviously, he's not even Scottish, but it, there's an undertone of that once you've been in a game here too long that is still still there. Yeah. Fucking Jim Goodwin might not be in a job much longer, to be honest. Uh, Celtic take on St Johnston at Celtic Park in what is the last home game uh, of 2022. Um, St Johnston have done pretty damn well recently. Uh, they are undefeated, uh, and so they've won two, three. They've won four of their last six games, uh, and they've drawn two, so they're undefeated in six. Yeah. Um, should we be worried? What's your thoughts? So, it's interesting looking at them together with, with Hibs, because obviously St. Johnson is, is ahead of Hibs in the table. Got, you know, four more points now. But in terms of the underlying performances, it, it you know, there's a clear advantage to a hipster. You know, uh, if you look at Stephen Russell's six points, St. Johnson's overperforming by four, and Hibs are underperforming by, by five points. But I think they've, you know, so and it is that cluster. If you look at it, you know, the league table, you know, from Aberdeen on 25 points down to Hibs in eighth, you know, there's five points between them. St. Johnson is, is, is bang in the middle of that. So I think, but overall, I think that's, you know, even just if you look purely at St. Johnson's expected points, they're, they're sixth, right? So so they are definitely one of the better performing teams and probably better performing than that you expect them to be. And yeah, it's the last six games, as you can see, you know, I had a quick look in terms of like the XG and then the kind of performances around that. And, you know, they're, they're even, you know, they're, they're matching, you know, the, the beat Hibs, you know, they have slightly less XG, but that happens, you know, the beat Killy, they got slightly less XG in Killy as well, but the dare to keep ranges really close XG wise when they win. So it's not, and, you know, they go and they get more XG than Submarine. Uh, again, Motherwell really close, slightly less XG than, than Motherwell, but they get to draw. And then Ross County, you know, they, they actually they roll over them. They probably should have had more goals against Ross County as well. So, you know, just it's a decent team this season, right? And if you, so, if you could take a kind of closer look at their stats and how they've been playing defensively, and offensively, and it's one thing that just pops out immediately, right? So. Again, a lot of these teams I was talked about before, but especially St. Johnson, XG, expected points, you know, pretty much matches where they are at the, the league table, you know, right bang in the middle. Offensively, they are one of the worst teams in, in the league. <laughs> you know, no doubt. You know, the the second uh the second last in terms of XG uh created. They're tenth in terms of how many shots they take. They're the bottom in terms of their average chance quality. And in terms of kind of getting into the opposition's half, final third of box, again, second bottom, right? So they are they don't give you much offensively. And however, defensively, as you might <laughs> picked up by now, it's good, right? Fourth least XG conceded. They have the eighth most shots against, but they have the second lowest chance quality against. Only Celtics got a lower one. So against Telsey, okay, you concede a few shots, but they're poor quality. And but again, like they, they interesting, they let teams into their own half about 
the most the, in terms of letting teams into their final third. They do that second most times, but then into the penalty box, seventh, right? So it's kind of like here and 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 no more in in terms of how how to defend. I guess you know possession stats are towards the lower end. A couple of the pressing stats are quite high as well. So this is a team built on defense so far. So poor offensively, really good uh, defensively, pitch in the middle of the table, and, and that's pretty much what we see. Um, it's interesting that you know this is a, a club that were I don't think the club ever were but the fans certainly uh, I know a couple of St. Johnson fans and they were really really frustrated with Callum Davidson to the point where I think he's a legend there with what he did as a player and what he did obviously as a manager winning the cup double but I think a couple of them were kind of like okay maybe we try something different but they've stuck with him um, and they're kind of reaping the rewards again. Uh, you know, we're only halfway, not even halfway through the season yet. And, you know, as you say, though, he's kind of bang probably where they should be in regards to their budget and, and how they're performing. Um, it's an interesting one where if you actually kind of look a little bit further beyond where you are at that point and potentially see something in the future, not a lot of Scottish football clubs do that. No, I, I think you probably got a lot of credit in the bank from, yeah, of course, yeah, for that one. You know, obviously they brought in the interesting last season is they brought in a specific um, director of recruitment, uh, friend of the pod, Stevie Greaves as, as well, of course, yeah. Which you know, which you might be able to tell by it because they left didn't really work out, right? And I, I think there was a lot of stuff. You know, Davison really struggled last season, and some of the things I've heard in terms of the way he sets up his training week and things like that. It sounds really weird, right? But they have kind of, as you said, stabilized. And I think I, I think there's that's not specifically a Davison thing. I do think how, how do I phrase this without sounding preposterous? That the role of the manager is probably overrated a lot of the time in a lot of clubs. Right. So by me by that is like, see just because you're bringing in a new one might not bring any changes. Like you are often just, you will kind of revert to where you are in the kind of microcosm of that league in terms of how much money you have and the budgets and, and all the things like that. So, but I think, I think it's, there's always an argument to just stick with managers, especially if, you know, they're not hopeless, you know, I mean, and in terms of the league like Scotland as well, like where the average quality of, of managers is, you know, I think someone like Callum Davison is probably middle of the tree and he's, he's got some good points and he's got some bad points and interesting. So if you're a club like St. Johnson, sometimes that's the stability is just do it. We talked a lot about this in advanced stats as well. Like you will have patches, especially when it comes to goal scoring and stuff like that, hot and cold moments, but over a longer sample of, of games, you will kind of revert back to where, and I think that's what you see with some St. Johnson. So often in football, it isn't under the valley of just doing nothing. Like it kind of it will help if you like you can see that the team are creating stuff and they're kind of underperforming and stuff like that. You know, if you're a clever board, you can if you want to move a manager away. Like at a certain point, you don't really like them. This the points probably you should be able to do that and bring someone else in. But I think yeah, I, I mean, stability is probably quite underrated in football. Well, let me ask you this though, and this is a genuine. This isn't a gotcha or anything. This is just a genuine point. If you put Ange Postecoglou in charge of that St. Johnson team, would you get a better bounce out of them? Yeah, I, I think you. I mean, it's not like it's unimportant in terms of that. 
But Ash will be limited. I, I, I don't think Ash wins the league with St. Johnson, right? And not in, in, in this league. He, I think he pushes them up to a third or a fourth. But I, I think in terms of the, the gap, in terms of player quality and money, he, he wouldn't do that. So it's not a manager. You're, you're, you're not going to get, you're not gonna get Ange think, Postacoglu, right? I, so, I mean, it's, it's a... Well, I mean, I, might, I mean, maybe you could have at some point. Like, if, if, if you're clever enough. Like, maybe not straight from after Australia and stuff like that, but you, you could maybe get him at some point if, if you're a clever enough club. Like an Aberdeen probably could have got Ashbos to Kogu at some point as, as a way in, you know? So, but see, again, that comes back to you know, looking outside your own borders as well. Yeah, I think uh, kind of your, your point, though, in regards to, you know, I agree. I, I know what you mean. St. Johnson is a football club. They've had the same sort of players. They're going to give Stevie May a new contract, even though he's a striker who doesn't score goals. Um, you know, if you put... I don't mind that, though. I don't like goals, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, uh, I don't have anything to say. I, I don't like goals as a football fan. As <laughs> we'll, get to that. we'll get to that, we'll get to that. Um, but just, just in regards to, you know, if you put David Martindale and St. Johnson, is he going to make that much of a difference? <sighs> Probably not. Like, just if, it's all much of a muchness, so I kind of get... I, Kind of get that point. Adam Montgomery's there um, from the St. John's fans. I know one or two of them uh, performing pretty well, but he'll be unavailable, obviously, at the weekend. Yeah, it's, it's probably... Um, I think Graham actually asked me to, to have a look at that for one of the, the reviews. At some point, we might have a look. It might be a good one in January as well to see how he's doing, to see how some of the lone players are doing. Yeah, he'd be playing against Rangers there in the game I saw as well. It was, it was good. It was good, yeah. You know, so... so um, Again, you look at, okay, there's probably not a left-back spot a Celtic at the moment like that, but um, especially if he was right-footed, it's, you know, coming in and being an alternative, I think he could have been all right. But yeah, no, I like Montgomery pretty much when he's a Celtic, so I'm glad he's at least getting a, a decent loan now, and we can see where we are with him January or the summer. Uh, so St. Johnston at Celtic Park. You mentioned the fact that they are a little bit impotent in the final third and they're maybe not creating chances. Um, are they just going to do what Livingston did? Are they going to just do kind of what Aberdeen did at Pataudry? Are they going to have another variation of a low block with some sort of counter? Yes. I mean, the interesting thing, a lot of these teams have with Aberdeen doing it, Livingston doing it, and St. Johnson also, they do play a back five, right? But they did. Uh, they do play them, I think, in slightly different ways, what I've seen so far. Um, obviously, watching, so both against, you know, Rangers and Celtic at home, um, St. Johnson pretty much line up in the same way. It's kind of like back three or back five, really, but they have the two strikers and then the kind of the three central midfielders. Yeah, one is, uh, you know, um, it's often, um, you man, McGovern is, is kind of like a, a little bit deeper sometimes, or sometimes it's Halberg as well. McGovern sometimes, you know, against Rangers, he's a centre back, but you know, it's, it's it's quite flexible. So you'll see a lot of what you saw, especially from Livingston, from St. Johnston as well. But I, I mean, I've sent you. I know it's at Celtic Park, and also I think you know. I don't know if you know this. There is a difference between Celtic and Rangers in terms of the playing styles. And, a little bit. Like yeah. But if, like some of the screenshots I sent you in terms of, I sent you three screenshots from the Rangers uh, St. Johnston game. And first of all, like Rangers taking um, a goal kick. And St. Johnston's got two players on the edge of their box. And then they have the, the, the midfield tree in, in, you know, in the middle of Rangers. So there's times where they go, okay, we're going to push up here. 
Yeah. And, but they do have that kind of, when you look at it, it's like the two, three, five, and when they move further down the pitch, I showed a couple of pitches, you can see that they're always kind of moving in that two, three, five formation, like seen from the front. So you have the two strikers. The two strikers are pretty, I mean, they're not like Aberdeen's two strikers. You didn't like nothing in the press. Um, so Stevie Bay and then uh, Clark is usually, I mean, they do quite a bit of pressing. Like think that it kind of reminds me a bit to what Celtics asked their strikers to do in Europe. You know, they have those two, the first front press, they, they move a lot and, and the demand and they do that well. And then there's that kind of then thing that's probably difficult to get right in these things is that the relationship then with the midfield tree and the centre-backs and the wing-backs. So you don't want, like Aberdeen did, to get too low because I think, you know, it, it, it's just you can't get out. But also, like, you need to be able to not have too much distances between them as well. And then, okay, the wing-backs, do they jump up? Do they come in? Do some of the strikers fall down on the attacking midfielders and stuff like that? So, but they, they, they were a bit more like Livingston in, in, in that way, in the way that... so. I was saying that, like, against Rangers, it's not like they sat in. Like, obviously, because Rangers has the ball and they sat in, but the block wasn't ultra low. Yeah. You know, there's, there's those two, they have, they have the two strikers up front. They're there. They, they work in the press and the midfield three move around a lot because they need to, because they're just three of them. They stay close. So they did all those things well without being ultra defensive. And they, they, I think by having the two strikers there who work a lot, having the two wing back, like Montgomery was one of them, it allows you to kind of, have have quick catcher as well and, and kind of keep the ball up. But so they were, they were good against Rangers, you know. Okay, um, Rangers gets more XG and stuff like that. But still, it wasn't it's an even game. But then you kind of go, how much of that are they going to try and replicate the Celtic part? Are they going to sit a little bit lower, a bit more defensive? I can't really see them putting Stevie May and and Clark at the edge of the penalty box when George is going to take a goal. Maybe they will. You know, good for them if they do. But so they probably sit in a slightly more defensive version of that. But again, it's you know you've seen the last two games against Celtic that I think Livingston. Part of the reason I think Celtic were quite good on Wednesday is like because Livingston, you know, they did well. Yeah, they, 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 the crowd they left the left. Okay, they left the right a bit open and so on. But you know, that's, that's a difficult team to break down. I think Sanchez is going to be. I think what you saw on Wednesday is, is very much what you're going to see from St. Johnson as well in terms of the formation, but also what they're trying to do and when this, they try to press. But again, like Livingston, oh, there's really not much up front for them at all, unless it's a set piece or something. And they just haven't created anything in the, in the league, really. Why aren't these teams going and finding good strikers? Why, why aren't they? Ha- why don't they have a whole process? And I, I, I don't mean that flippantly, and I don't mean like... I don't mean that arrogantly, like, why don't you just go and buy a striker? I just mean, like, Stevie May's been at St. Johnston for a long time, yeah. and the guy works hard, and, you know, I, I think before his, his injury, he had a lot of qualities, but those qualities have kind of diminished over time. Like, I don't understand why they aren't trying to go and find a young, dynamic striker from somewhere. And, and I think you you look at Aberdeen, what they've done with Iofsky and Duke, and also um, Hibbs. He's got uh, oh, it's recipe, and um, it's the Russian lad on, on loan as well. So they've started to go that and do that more. Yeah. So I think, okay, it's. Um, I think that's something that St. Justin could do as well in terms of okay, they're slightly lower budget, but you, you can go and find. You know, there is, and, and the interesting thing, Steve agree. Like I was referencing him again there. He is a guy I've, I've spoken a lot to Steve. He's been on the pods. Like he's 
always been somebody who very clear sense of what leagues would fit this club and where the value is. You know, Stevie talked to me about Hatati like three years ago, like in first pro, like stuff like that. And yeah. he's, he's, you know, he's, he's got always like a big uh, look at the Baltic leagues. Um, maybe not North for the Baltic place, but the one of the earliest stops for especially African players that comes into Europe during the Baltic leagues, you know, the come at 18, 19, it's some in Scandinavia as well. You know, you look at Moldes is about to sell, you know, um, uh, a really young um, st- striker as well as who's come from Africa first coming over. But a lot of them goes to the Baltic leagues as well to get that European experience. I think the work permits there is it's a bit easier to get into. So there's talents there you can pick up. There's stuff like, you know, okay, um, Aberdeen went to Hungary, Bulgaria leagues like that. You know, so there will be a striker out there that fits you and, and will be happy to play for St. Johnston more than happy and be happy with their wages. So, but Stevie May is the kind of same kind of Scottish striker that's always been there and then that type of striker. So I, yeah, there's a possibility, but they, they had the guy there who you were able to, to identify those, but yeah, for some reason it didn't work out. So yeah. Um, anyway, um, from a Celtic point of view, uh, Anthony Ralston kind of went off against uh, St. Johnston. Uh, or Ange Postacoglu said it's it's nothing too serious. But, you know, we'll we'll find out probably later on today or tomorrow early whether he'll be available. Greg Taylor at, at right back. Um, it's not ideal, but needs must potentially if, if um, uh, Ralston isn't available. I mean, you know, I... I'm a Greg Taylor fan. Like he can, he he can put out the bins, and I'll be there going, "Oh, look at that! Look at that! That's just clever positioning of those bins." Uh, but I, I, I know this is on brand, but I think it, I think he did really well at left uh, right back. And, and what? Uh, so I, I put a few clips together. Maybe we can put some of them out. But is that because the role is so inverted? Because he he needs to go into the pitch a lot. It's not the worst thing in the world to have a left-footed play on, on right-back in, in certain situations because he more naturally cuts in on, on his left and he then has, you know, at least two-thirds of, of the pitch um, kind of horizontally to, to work with. You know, he can open up his body, he can, you know, play it wide, but he can, you know, cut across his body and do that. And there's like four or five examples I've clipped where that happens. You know, just because small, okay, so small uh, sample size alert, Christian. You must put that out. It's a small well, well, sample size. Sample size is to do with numbers. I use my eyes. Ah, very good. Right. So, but no, but it's uh, there is something in that. Now, the, the, always the other ones is when he came on the outside and like when the bad put a drill on us. <laughs> I just tried to flick it with his left foot. I mean, it's, it's always like there's things and, and defenders will kind of know that, okay, you can show Greg Taylor in that, you know, when it gets to the penalty box, you can show Greg Taylor out wide and he's probably just going to stop up and go back. But hey, up until the, like, the penalty box and like that build-up play, if he gets the ball out on the right-hand side and then pops on his left, like he's got a great foot. And he was finding Turnbull, he was finding McGregor, he was, he was, he was doing a lot of kind of need passing from the right back position as well. And obviously you're right. One to mom the left there, but as I say, you know, I know I'm a Greg Taylor stand, but 
I'm not hating it. That's what I'm I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Put it this way, right? Okay, so see against uh, Livingston, who aren't going to attack as as prominently as other teams, and against St. Johnson, who are the same, fine. At home, fine. But this is not a long-term... This is not... Let me pose you a question. I know we're going to talk about the Derby next week, but if you had a choice to play... Anthony Ralston just back from injury with Greg Taylor left back. Or you play Burnabout and Greg Taylor at Ibrox. What would you choose? Honestly, I would go with the tried and tested and I'd play Anthony Ralston. I know Anthony Ralston is slow, but Anthony Ralston, um, I think, knows the position better than Greg Taylor in, in regards to how he play it from a right-hand side perspective. I, I Joking aside, I know what you're saying against Taylor, about Taylor. I think he's a, a, a fine footballer. I think he is someone who can very much adapt. But every single day of the week, I want natural players in natural positions. So 100%, I'd rather play Anthony Ralston. So old school. But, so old school. I, bet, I bet you want the midfielders in midfield and the goalkeepers in goal as well. He strikers on top. Uh, it's just that's what's wrong with Scottish football. Strikers you know? in goal is what I would say. Right. Yeah, I, I just, I just mean, I, I, I think if you don't have Taylor on the left, you're also missing something because yeah, no, you are. As great as Bernabe is, he's so good. He's still, that's he's still true. really, really raw. Um, so I mean, from that point of view, 100 percent right. I'd rather Juranovic, of course, but um, at that point, uh, Ralston. We'll talk about the derby next week. We've got lots of derby content coming up. Christian, myself, and you will preview it. Looking forward to it. We've got Hibs on Wednesday. Uh, so St Johnston uh, this Saturday, Christmas Eve, and then Hibs on Wednesday. I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about it, and it's nothing to do with Hibs. It's to do with just that Easter Road. It's to do with uh, first game after Christmas, all the kind of nonsense that you probably shouldn't get fearful about. But at the same time, yeah, football in it. Uh, should we be worried? Because Hibs are on a horrendous run at this point. Oh, I, I, they are, but I mean the Rangers game is, you know, it's. I think they probably should do a bit better. But if you look at the three defeats they had before that, you know, lost to Killy away, lost to County home, lost Aberdeen away. Like the goal difference in those three games, one seven, right? XG difference, five point five, four point five. You know, so they're there. But see the shots. Hibs took 43 shots in those three games and only conceded 15 shots. <laughs> you know, so it, it, it's kind of the opposite of St. Johnson. This is a team that is it, it results-wise in terrible form, but there's a lot of variance, which is a fancy word for luck, in there as well. You know, so for all I think, Lee Johnson is just a terrible manager. And he's very good. They are third on... Um, Expected points on uh, the fourth now, maybe. Uh, so, no, they're third. They're still third. Um, so, again, they're in that cluster of, you know, those six teams from third to eight um, and the five points between them. And I, I think underlying performances wise, hips are, you know, they, they should be higher. So, so they're, they're not, they're not, you know, this is a team that's not getting results at the moment, which is good for us mentally in terms of that confidence, but they're not playing badly, right? They're not playing, playing badly. Um, I mean, they went through a run of what? They won four games in a row. And then they've now, they've won one. One, what, one, W-O-N, one, one game in eight. And they've lost seven. And they've lost their last four. Uh, you know, you talk about, 
you, you talk about managers and their ability to turn things around and confidence within that ability of, you know, Ange Postacoglu, perfect example of someone who 100% clearly in a situation, he'll be confident he can turn it around. This this manager is a manager who I, I've mentioned before, you know, he was a manager of Bristol uh, City and, you know, we've got some friends down in Bristol and when he got appointed Hibs, they kind of laughed and were like, he's hopeless you're going to you might do have the odd kind of high spot, but you're going to tailspin, and he won't be able to get you back out of it. And that's kind of that's kind of what this feels like. Yeah, I mean, he's. I know people impressed by any of like like tactical setup at all. I think they got decent players, right? Yeah. And I think yeah, that's yeah. that kind of comes around for it. I mean, if you look dive into their stats again, it's it is really interesting because you look at it and all you see is a sea of trees, and at the number, not the <laughs> the things that grow in the forest, right? And and it's. XG created third, shots third. How often they get into the opposition's half and uh, the final third penalty box third. XG conceded third, shots against third. How often do they allow teams into their own half, final third, third. Pass rate third, possession third, seconds per possession third, passes fourth, okay. Uh, pressing stats third, fifth, second, right? Two things that jump out. And there's, there must be something in here. If, maybe if I, if I could bother to watch hips every week, I could might have a theory. But their average chance quality for is seventh. So all the other offensive stats are third. Average chance quality is seventh. All the all, all the defensive stats are third except one. Average chance quality against the tenth. So there's something in the way they set up where they dominate, they create a lot of shots, don't create great chances. Something in the way they set up defensively, where they they restrict uh, the position, restrict their possession, the territory, but they can see big chances when they do. So I think that's where it comes out in terms of the results as well. There's something in there where, and if you look at a shot map against, it's just like a sea of of chances in the middle, like uh, of the penalty box, and they concede they haven't conceded one goal from further than fifteen yards out, but it's just. I mean, it looks like a soft center, be it set pieces or be it counter attacks. That they have a lot of the balls, a lot of possession, but they concede big chances when they do concede chances. Um, I watched them again. You know, I've watched them a couple of times this season, and you know, when they when they did they draw or did they I think they drew with Rangers when Rangers get two players sent off. Like even that game, they were huffing and puffing. You know, Rangers had what nine men, and mm-hmm. they were still huffing and puffing and it was a case of doesn't look like they're ever going to score and they eventually got that goal um when they when they lined up at ibrooks they were four five one they had portis in midfield he obviously scored um do you think they'll line up four five one against us or do you think they'll go a little bit more attacking because of the easter road well it's, it's, it's funny i mean a lot of the like stats like the data company has us a four four two but it, it kind of drops in to, to block the interesting thing is, like, they've been three at the back for a long I mean, they're three at the back at Celtic Park. So going forward at the back is, is something slightly different. Which I think it suits suit Celtic as well in, in, in one way, in, in terms of how it's done, because it always that space between the fullback and the one of the centre backs that Celtic is so good at exploiting if there's any space there. That's why a lot of teams like Levinson and Johnson play five at the back against Celtic. So they have, they have a wing back. <laughs> and, and play behind them all the time, uh, so they don't have that space because that's what they can hurt you. So, so if they play forward to back, it's been to see if it goes forward to back or, or five to back. Obviously, it's been to see if they play at the weekend as well. But I, I think they got a decent set of, of players there. You know, they, they really do. I think it's just the way Johnson used them. 
And there's something in it that is, you know, it's it's just not working. I mean, like, I mean, you, I, I mean, that game at Celtic Park was pathetic. Yeah, know, Celtic were good, but I mean, that's that's a poor performance. I mean, you get uh, Aidan McGeady's just back. He came back against Rangers, so he'll be available. You've got Melkerson, who doesn't start regularly, but you know, there's there's certainly something there. Henderson doesn't start really at all. Um, so to me, I agree with you. I think it's more mismanagement of the players than you know the the players not being good enough. Um, but that's the thing. Like if if someone like Johnson is let's say let's say Celtic tank them right, and he loses his job, or he loses his job in the next couple of months. I'm not confident. Not that it really really matters to us, but at the same time, I want I want interesting teams in the league being managed in an interesting way so that we can have different kind of challenges i mean who 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 will they get as manager they've already under this under this man under this chairman they've had what three four managers in the space of two three seasons like just what is if i, if I was a hibs fan I'd, if i was a hibs fan i'd be spitting feathers put it that way no it's, it's, it's random but sean maloney is it's a big name but it's untested but you give him like four or five months which is just a bit mad and then lee johnson's just a run-of-the-mill clogger really so why don't because the, the, these teams are trying to do a little bit different recruitment wise, so just take that step, like for for your coaching side as well. Like God, you, you can scout them in the same way. You, you can find a person and, and stick with them. You can do that, and it's just it's strange. Uh, that, that appointment is so odd. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, what's your confidence level against Tibbs? Um, yeah. I, I, uh, uh, it, it is. It's all those things you say. Easter Road. It's, it's the last game. You know, they, they are a team. They have good players. They, they can hurt you. But and there's a nil-nil draw there last season uh, as well. But I know. I'm, I'm, the thing I like about Celtic at the moment is, is that it's ticking over. You know, I think it, people are maybe frustrated. It's not blowing teams away. But even when Celtic is not doing that, the system is ticking over and they're creating it. And and, and they have so many. Look at the wingers, for example. The options they have at the wingers and so on. Um, don't touch about Kyogo and, and Gigi, but I mean, I, I, I think they have the options. I think having McGregor back is, is a really nice, you know, something you don't notice him, but he's there and he's doing things. And the fullbacks is, yeah, it's, it's maybe where it's at the moment in terms of you need to have the right combination because they are important to the system. But yeah, overall, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic for both games, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Um, from the Cynic, we have the reaction recording tomorrow. Uh, we'll be recording that live in a pub in town. Um, that'll be great. Um, and then we're off for a couple of days. We're going to take a couple of days off for Christmas. But we'll be back on Wednesday for the reaction to the Hibs and Celtic game, of course. Um, and then from Thursday, we'll have the big build-up to the Derby, which is obviously on the second. Christian, myself, and yourself, me and you, you and I, um, will be uh, doing a preview of the Rangers game. We'll be looking to how Rangers have been playing and, and what we can do to counter them. Looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, let's... Yeah, what, what are you doing over Christmas, uh, Christian? Oh, having to watch Beal Ball. Kidding on, on you don't yes. like it? Aye, very oh, good. Oh, Come oh. on. <laughs> You're a big uh, Beal Ball enthusiast. Um, uh, oh, let's see. Let's see how much Beal is in that ball. As long as, so, as, long as, he, as, long as he's Bealing at the end of the day, that's... Ah, uh, nice. Nice. That's not bad for you. That's good. That's fine. Uh, let's finish with fact or fiction. I asked two questions and you state if they are fact or fiction and why. Question one. Question one. Question one. Uh, one of the new signings will be involved versus Rangers. 
Fact or fiction? So, up until the second, I was like, that's fiction. But I'm just thinking, see if Ralston's not fair. I uh, I, I, I honestly think Ash might be kind of guy who throw Johnson in, right? So, uh, if your is not quite there, I, I I, I don't know. I don't know why. I t- kind of got a feeling that you want to do Taylor at left back and Burnaby. Um, uh, Burnaby at left back and Greg Taylor right back. So, I'm, I'm going to say fact. Fact. Alistair Johnston. Jesus. On right back and I There you go. Um, I tend to agree that I think if, if Ralston wasn't available, he might go to Johnson. I think Johnson will have had a couple of weeks training he'll, he'll probably he won't know the role from a practical point of view of actually doing it but i think and as you say if, if you're there and you're ready to go why not um second question juranovic will never play for celtic again <laughs> fact or fiction no i think, I think he definitely will I, I don't think that's something that's going to happen uh straight away um i don't know why um i think it might be why five bucks is what i said but no i, I think he'll play again i hope he does I'm not so, so sure. Hey, I'm not so I'm sure myself. But yeah, uh, Christian, this has been an absolute pleasure as always, sir. Um, Merry Christmas to you and yours and your wonderful family. And uh, thanks for getting involved as always. As we say, no way. No way. I can't even. Sp- I'm wearing my Norwegian sweater. I can't even spell, pronounce the name of my country. No way. Norge, of course, where we say, Go your, oh God, Nitter. Go you, oh God, Nitter. Uh, we don't say it in that voice, but yeah. Go you, oh God, me Go you, oh God, me uh, From Christian Wolf, from us, Alex Disgusted. From Christian Wolf, from myself, <laughs> Chris Gallagher. Uh, this has been the Weekend Update, and we'll speak to you down the road. <laughs>